0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the
1: Liberty Roundtable Radio, Talk, radio Show. Talk Show.
0: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio, hard-hitting news the networks refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 4th in the year of our Lord 2021, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the constitution of the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth there's so much to talk about I'm gonna skip the recap for now I'll get to the recap of Friday's broadcast later in the show today I want to talk right now about a very sad event rest in peace my good brother will that's my headline the actual headline says will Christensen one of the co-founders of the Independent American Party, passed away. We would also note the other co-founder, Wayne Hill, passed away recently as well, on November 2nd, 2021. We will miss these two good brethren, these two good men who felt so strongly about the sacred cause of liberty that they gave freely of their time money, resources, talents, etc., to the independent American party. They believed and felt that they were inspired to create it, to preserve the constitution of the United States and disseminate the foundational principles of liberty. Amen to that reality check. Wow, we're so sad we lost Wayne and Will, two liberty-loving patriots literally a month apart. And I, I knew them both, knew them both quite well. Spent time with both of them. Our prayers are with their families. I wish I had money to give them, but I don't. I really don't. I, I, you know, you say, well, Sam, didn't you just go to Disney World? Yeah, I did. And I need to spend a little bit of time with my grandchildren. Uh, I've only taken my children to Disneyland maybe two or three times in their whole lives. Uh, it's not like I take a lot of vacations I'm on the air six days a week, two hours a day currently. I used to be on the air uh, six days a week, but it was three hours a day, Monday through Friday with Liberty Roundtable Live, and then it was a technology show. So I've been around for a long, 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 long time. Anyway, our, our prayers are with Will Christensen and Wayne Hill and their families. I pray they can do more for Liberty on the other side of the veil than they can do here. All right, we also talked at the end of the yesterday's show, Friday's show, will the Supreme Court overturn Roe versus Wade? A lot of people are believing the answer is yes. I pray they're right, but I'm more cynical. I don't really have that confidence. I wish they would. I hope they do. I pray they will, but I don't have a lot of confidence. Nine times out of ten, the courts don't have the integrity or the guts or the morality or whatever term you want to use to really stand for pro-life, which is the whole purpose of government life, liberty, and property. They usually will create some nuanced decision that will create nothing but confusion, anger, lawsuits, hatred. Our prayers are for the Supreme Court justices that they can do what's right, stand for what's right, make the right decisions, and then we pray for their protection. Because we also know that even if they were to jettison Roe versus Wade entirely and declare abortion illegal in America, uh, the truth is that then the Supreme Court justices' lives would be in danger. These liberals, these pro-death folks are so rabid crazy that I just fear for the Supreme Court justices. But our prayers are with them, I can tell you that. And our prayers are that cooler heads prevail, and our prayers are that we can stand for the sacred cause of life for everyone involved. The babies all the way up to the elderly, all the way from the Supreme Courts to the liberals to the conservatives, everybody we pray for life. Safety, stability, and peace. That's my claim. That's what I hope. Yesterday, we also played Steve Voss uh, in his incredible song, Somebody's Gonna Die Today, highlighting that oftentimes people in their righteous indignation oftentimes make the wrong moves. You know, so it starts out this girl's gonna go get an abortion, you gotta kill her baby, take care of it. Sad tale of death. Then the next verse is a man decides he's got to have it in righteous indignation. He's got to go and blow up the abortion clinic to stop the murder that they're doing. But how wrong he is as he creates more murder and disaster and how we are on a precipice of pro-death in America that has got to stop. Good for Steve Voss. His song brings forward poignant truths that ought to be considered. And anyway, we also talked about tragically and deeply Upsetting. We talked about an article in USA Today. 2021 is the deadliest year on record for transgender people in the United States. And to me, that's a tragedy. Again, I'm not for the gay and lesbian agenda. I stand completely against it. But ladies and gentlemen, let's not be the guy that goes up and blows up the abortion clinic because he's got to stop them from doing their wicked deeds. Okay? I'm not for transgender. I don't believe in it. I believe it's a lie. But I also would never do any harm to the transgender people. We need to be kind and loving and teach them a better way. You can't teach them by force. You can teach them by love and kindness and example, and maybe they can see a better way. It's kind of like how if we're in a war uh, and we have hostages or we have, um, you know, soldiers, we can be so kind to them and teach them a proper way to where they go, man, all that I believed about America— just isn't true. Wow. This is the land of the free. We can hold that candle out in the open and let the light shine. We can set it on a hill and be an example. And so I I wouldn't do any harm to anyone folks. Okay. And I don't want to preach harm. I don't want to teach harm. I don't want to advocate for harm. I want to be as kind as I can, even to those who I completely disagree with. Justice Department threatens to sick the FBI on parents, calling them domestic terrorists or viewing them as domestic terrorists. The U.S. Attorney General has been now threatening to treat concerned school parents like terrorists. Parents say they're not going to give up. They're going to continue fighting back. They're not going to back down. Well, I appreciate that, but, man, we've got to back off the rhetoric, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to step back and say this violence cannot continue. Why is there still a debate over transgender rights? Some say, well, that's the age old question. Why is there a debate about gay and lesbians? Why is there a debate about all these things? I would submit to you the answer is because of a wicked society that has turned its back on God, that's why, all right? It's not because we're good, honest people in America. It's because everything is controversial. When we're involved in sin. Parents can never underestimate the level of deception and manipulation that activists, government school teachers are willing to go to on issues of gender. Yeah, the largest teachers union in California got caught. A leaked audio clip documented how they're dishonestly grooming your children for all kinds of uh, perversions, LGBT all the way through. We are seeing coaching and deliberate confusion of our young children when it comes to gender identity. Abigail Schreier is the one that listened to that leaked audio, and she's author of a book called Irreversible Damage, the transgender craze seducing our daughters. All right, that's what we're seeing. Exposed California educators are engaged in a calculated and strategic effort to subvert parents and recruit middle school students to gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender clubs, Abigail Schreiber warns. Leaked audio now reveals how California teachers recruit kids into gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender clubs, writes Brad Jones. Hallmark bows to the bullies behind the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender agenda and now promotes gay lesbian and perverted storylines. Hallmark premieres its first gay, lesbian um, holiday movie with a gay lead couple. I did a movie review. A Christmas tree grows in Colorado. It's a great movie, except it promotes the gay agenda. That was hour two of Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. It was incredible in hour one, we talked with Chris Carlson about a warning. And I've given you warnings for 25 plus years. And I've taught that he who owns the media makes the rules for quite some time. And I've taught that the new media takes center stage for quite some time. We've told you our story about how we got into the media in the first place. and we've talked about the solutions. I wanna highlight an exchange that I had with a, well, at first she kind of made it seem like she was a listener. Although she didn't really say she was, she made it seem like she was. And uh, so we engaged in an email exchange that I'd like to share with all of you. I will not name her uh, and I will not out her for fear that I'll get sued. That's how these people roll, right? Uh, But I will highlight the exchange, and I'll give you just an indication of what kind of trouble we're really in in America. With Chris Carlson, without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the battle. Discussions of all things liberty. We'll talk about that coming back. The topic yesterday, and I continue on the same topic today,
2: just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org.
4: Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better having a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. And there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, speak up. We're already in trouble. Warn the people was the topic of yesterday's first hour. It was an incredible hour with Chris Carlson. We also talked about in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. A man dies when he really... When he refuses to take a stand for that which is true, Martin Luther King, silence becomes cowardice when occasion demands the whole truth and acting accordingly, Gandhi. Each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, He sends forth a tiny ripple of hope, Robert Kennedy. Now, these are people that I normally wouldn't quote, but you know what? Their quotes are right. And this kind of goes along with the idea that I teach all the time. It's not about people. It's about principle. I'm not in a battle with Martin Luther King Jr. Based on principle, he was a bad man. Based on principle, he got money for the Communist Party. Okay, based on reality, he preached uh, Christianity in many ways, but he lived like a Womanizer. He preached peace, but yet in his wake was always violence. By their fruits shall you know them is what I would say. But I digress. When they bring forth good ideas like I have a dream that everybody is judged on the content of their character, not on their race, amen. You may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know William Wilberforce. Sadly, ladies and gentlemen, Stockholm Syndrome is live and well in America today. You say, what is that? It's when you literally learn to love your captors. It's a psychosis, if you will, where you believe when they abuse you so much, then they extend a little bit of kindness that somehow they're your friends. There's a relationship of trust. Wrongly so. Chris Carlson made the following quote to end the hour. We have a short time to influence those we love within our little sphere of influence in all of eternity, to look back on it. Let, Let us not do or fail to do something that we would forever regret. Amen to that reality check, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, I mentioned to you as we carry on this important broadcast with the theme of Speak Up. We're already in trouble, warn the people. I've taught for years that he who owns the media makes the rules. And I've taught and explained for years about the new media taking center stage. I think that's really critical to understand. All right, I really do. But we've seen a new phenomenon. Well, I shouldn't even say it's a new phenomenon. I think it's a growing phenomenon. All right. And I think it's sad. But you know what? When we first got into radio, a bunch of weird things happened that I found interesting. And it was hard for me to really believe because I didn't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I didn't want to just think, oh man. But um a listener called in and talked to me and said, You know what? There's a judge who has hired me to monitor your show and give him cleft notes of the broadcast. And, You know, at first I did this diligently thinking I was, you know, vetting somebody who could do some harm to the nation and be of a great concern, but I've listened to you for quite some time now, Sam, and I'm convinced that you're true blue, that you're right, that you're just a Liberty 11 truth teller. And so I want to tell you this, the judge is monitoring your show through my notes. Well, I didn't believe it. I just kind of thought, man, that can't be true. That's a conspiracy theory. I eventually met the judge and I was confirmed that that was accurate. But the judge said, I no longer monitor your show because I know you're not a threat anymore, which was delightful news, but really shocked me to the very core. Uh, I then have had people call in and provide death threats to me over the years in radio. And doing what I do for the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, uh, we've literally had people um call in and say, you know, if if we were off the air for some reason, had a technical problem with the radio station we owned for 10 years, um, they'd say, we knew the IRS would get you. We knew the government would shut you down. We knew you're, you know, and they would say all these things. Uh, And then eventually I got attacked by the IRS, the FCC, and the USDA all at the same time. We literally were homeless with about four children, had to move into an apartment just to uh, have a place to live. We lost the home we were living in. We lost thousands of dollars. But eventually we beat the IRS. We uh, paid them on a monthly plan, eventually created an abatement and got money back. It's a long story, but they claimed we made money that we never made. And they said, well, I said, we never got cash. We don't have the money. I'm not debating your rules. I'm just telling you that we never had the money. They said, well, you can take all your gains in one year, but you can't take your losses in the same year. You got to take your losses over time. Well, based on those conflicting government IRS rules, that's what made us have to pay money that we didn't have. We never got. But we did. We complied. And we eventually filed for an abatement and won and got money back. So that's how we beat the IRS. How we beat the FCC was they put a tower. Or I'm sorry. We had a fence around our tower for our radio station. And what happened was is that fence came down somehow. Part of it came down. I don't know if vandals did it. I don't know if... Um, The weather did it, but the government discovered it before we did. Well, as soon as I learned about it, we fixed it. We delivered pictures to them and showed them that it was fixed. That wasn't good enough for your government. They wanted to fine us. So they fined us $7,000, claimed we willfully violated the FCC. That was a lie, and I knew it. I didn't willfully violate anybody. I was just complying with the IRS to the best of my ability. I then tried to comply with the FCC to the best of my ability. Well, I had through the grace of God Almighty, a well-known attorney contacted me and beat the IRS or beat the FCC for me for $700. To this day, we're dear family friends. So we beat the FCC, we beat the IRS. Now all we got is the USDA. Um, I don't know that we really beat them, but we were trying to buy a home from someone who was about to lose their home. We saved their home from being lost. We were supposed to work out a deal where they were going to, let us refinance the home. We never were able to finish that deal because the USDA kicked us out of the home. We lost a bunch of money on that one. But the only reason I say that I beat them is because, in the end of the day, we're still on our feet. At the end of the day, we did not lose our radio station. We fought hard to keep it. Why do I tell you all this story right now? Because I'm telling you that I'm providing a witness and a warning. We are in serious trouble as a nation, and I'm here to warn the people. And I'm here to provide solutions to the problem. One of the great solutions we've felt compelled to be involved in for a long time is the media. Again, he who owns the media makes the rules. The new media takes center stage. We can make a difference. But we um, have been attacked all along the way, but the attacks are getting worse. And we know Hillary Clinton even listens to and or has people listening to our broadcasts and our radio network and such. To make a long story short, we know that we've been monitored and attacked for a long time. And I jokingly say to the FBI, you don't need to monitor my show in secret because I make the files available for download at libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. Spread the word download today. To your heart's content, we'll give you a pristine audio copy of the broadcast. I even take the step a little further and say... Hey, we have a strange copyright. You'll kind of like it, by the way. You have the right to copy. That's a copyright. You have the right to copy. Please do. Spread the word. Tell the tale. Advocate for the sacred cause. Will you please? Anyway, so from time to time, people give me attacks in the in the in the email nowadays. In, in the attacks, usually go like this: You're wrong on this point you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't do this, how evil you are, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a hater, you're a, and it usually is these attacks, there's not really a good way to get back to somebody. But I have an example today that I want to cover on the radio, where a lady emailed me. And at first, I thought she was just a listener. That's what she kind of made it seem like, but she didn't really say that. But as I dug into it, I found out no, This lady's got a PhD, this lady's written books on these topics, and this lady works for a prestigious university, and she teaches classes on the media, and she's taking time to listen to, that's right, Liberty Roundtable Live. Why she would do that, I don't know. As far as I can tell, she's extremely liberal. She had an axe to grind from the start. I at first in good faith engaged with her, only to be betrayed in the end. I will explain it to you. I will not use her name or her university. But I'll tell you the whole story in seconds. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're
5: listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News
6: with Chris Barnes. Breaking news out of Detroit where the parents of the alleged Oxford High School mass shooter were arrested in the wee hours of Saturday as police say James and Jennifer Crumbly were found in the basement of an industrial building in East Detroit. The Detroit Police Chief James White says they didn't break into the building. Somebody gave them some help. No one else is in custody uh, yet, uh, but we are working an angle on one other person that may have been uh, assisting them. The Crumblies are now charged, though, with four counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection with the Tuesday shooting at Oxford High School north of Detroit. Their 15-year-old son, Ethan, accused of killing four students and wounding seven others with a gun his parents bought him on Black Friday. They disappeared when the charges against their son were announced, but again, they were arrested early today, and
5: this is USA Radio News. If cancel culture and censorship continue at their current pace, there will soon be nothing left of the truth. The Epoch Times was founded to keep truth alive. We ask the questions we think you'd ask. We check facts without regards to any political agenda. No one tells us what to cover or how to cover it. We're not influenced by big corporations or political parties. Our great passion is to expose the spread of socialism and communism. We cover the Chinese Communist Party and how it works to subvert American education and politics. We cover big issues like election integrity, the exploding national debt, the fight against coronavirus, and the truth about its origins. We cover Democrats and Republicans in exactly the same way. We have a special trial subscription offer right now, one month of our printed paper and total access to our amazing online content for just $1. You'll find it at trustednewspaper.com. One month, $1. TrustedNewspaper.com. Help the Epic Times keep truth alive.
6: The prosecution has rested its case in the trial for actor Jussie Smollett as two brothers testified in court this week that the former star of Empire told them to stage a phony hate crime against him while pretending to be Trump supporters. After three days of testimony, the prosecution rested its case last night. Smollett, who is black and gay, did claim he was attacked in Chicago in January of 2019 by two men who he said yelled racist and anti-gay remarks at. The government's November jobs and employment report came out and left many disappointed, as the economy was shown to have added fewer jobs than expected. Economists were expecting over 550,000 new positions. The number came in at about 210,000. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh says, "We certainly have work to do. There's no question about it. But I would say that you know we have to look at the, pic- the whole picture and not just month-to-month snapshots." And you're listening to USA Radio News.
0: By the way ladies and gentlemen the date of this broadcast is saturday december 4th in the year of our lord 2021 you say sam why do you say that well you'll see is this exchange between me and this phd professor uh, unfolds okay so this lady emails me cm is what i'm gonna call her because that's the way she signs her messages i won't give you your name and i won't give her you the university But she writes books. She teaches about the media. She's involved in communications. And she's at a big university. And she listens to Liberty Roundtable Live. Well, I didn't know all that at first. I just thought it was just this nice lady. And she writes in and says this. It's not very polite. It's not completely rude, but it's kind of rude. And here's what she says. Out of the blue, I get this email. Thursday night, right after I come home, I was sick and on the road, and I come home, and here's what it says. Message, your facts are wrong. Andrea Mitchell didn't say that about grieving black kids. Joy Reid did. There's no comparison between those two. Mitchell is a respected journalist on NBC. Joy Reid is a poor journalist moderator on MSNBC. You should air a correction if you respect the truth. And I thought for a minute, and I thought, what is she talking about? I wasn't in on the air last night. Um, I didn't even do a show this that day. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? What is she talking about? And so I wrote back. From Liberty Roundtable to uh, CM. And I say this Hi, CM. My name is Sam Bushman and I host a show called Liberty Roundtable Live. I never said the below you referred to. I do own and run a couple of radio networks with several hosts. Can you please let us know what host and what show? We will try to get this corrected. Thanks, Sam. CM, this well-known PhD that teaches classes on communications, writes back and says this. Thanks for responding. I stream Liberty News Radio, originating in Highland, Utah. This false claim that a... M, which that means Andrea Mitchell had asked whether white people were capable of grieving over the death of a black child was repeatedly made on this channel by the host last night. So that was Thursday night between 10 and 11 p.m. Eastern time. Last night, December 3rd, As a result, I listened for the name of the host, a regular at this time, which which I find interesting. She says a regular at this time, which she knows that it's a regular. So she either looked at the schedule or she listens a lot. Don't know which. I heard Sam Bushman. Thanks, CM. So she writes back and says, hey, she doubles down and says this false claim. So then I get thinking about it and think, well, man, did I say that? How could that be? So I thought about it, and I thought, okay, i got to translate Eastern Time to Mountain Time, which I did, and I thought, okay, it's between 8 and 9. That is the second hour of my rebroadcast. Uh, But it's a double rebroadcast because since it's later in the evening, I'm not on the air. I do the show in the morning, right? Then it's replayed every evening. But it's a rebroadcast of a rebroadcast because... Uh, it's a show that since I was out of town and I'm still sick, not doing great, got this cold, but I want to be on the air today cause I love you guys. And I, I do my best to be on the air, but I digress. So I thought a rebroadcast or a rebroadcast at that time, what would it be? So I went back and I listened to the second hour and I got the date of the show and I went and got the show and then I listened to the, the show. And so I write her back. And here's what I say this time from Liberty Roundtable to CM. Hi, CM. Yes, you are correct. This content was on my show that aired last night that was a rebroadcast of a show that originally aired on June thirteenth, 2020. So yes, you're right, it was me, and it was a show that I aired on June 13th, 2020, so literally 18 months ago. So it's no wonder I didn't think I said that. I didn't think I was on the air, and all those circumstances turned out that as a rebroadcast of a rebroadcast, yes, it was me, and I, I admit that and say, hey, you're right, then here's the deal. Topic was brought up at the 16 minute and 30 second mark And it's available as the second hour of my archives at my website, LibertyRoundTable.com. Audio of that show segment is attached for your convenience. Andrea Mitchell wonders if white people are capable of grieving in large numbers when black people are killed. William Davis was the reporter for the article that I quoted. MSNBC Andrea mitchell anchor, asked during her show on Friday. Remember, this is back in June 2020 now. If white people are capable in large numbers of grieving for the loss of a black child. Mitchell asked the question to author Connie Schultz, who recently wrote a column for the Northern Virginia Daily asking white people to listen in the wake of george floyd's death are white people grieving mitchell asked are they capable in large numbers of grieving for the loss of a black child or a black woman in her bed in louisville because again a black lady in her bed in louisville got shot as i remember Or is there something different this time because they witnessed eight minutes and 40 seconds of a murder? Now, the problem with that is she makes this sound like, hey, white people never grieve. They don't care. Or is it different now because whatever? Now, you can debate whether that's opinion. You can debate whether you like that statement from Andrea Mitchell. You can debate whether you think she was tongue-in-cheek. You think she was uh, using her incredible interviewing skills uh, to uh, draw out the author. Whatever you have an opinion of, that's your, to, to that opinion, you're certainly entitled. But then I say that is the source for my statements. There's a video on the page below of the exchange. So I give her a link to this article. It's from the Daily Caller, and it's got not only the article, it's got the author, it's got the text, and it's got the video of the exchange between Andrea Mitchell and this author. So ladies and gentlemen, I defend myself with absolute double down, quadruple down documentation, okay? And I say, if you research this interaction, there are many more sources documenting the exchange as well. Please explain what you would like me to retract or correct. Finally, would you like to come on the radio and discuss this with me, thanks, Sam Bushman, and now I give her my phone number. Pretty definitive. I'm thinking at this point, because I don't know that she's a PhD, and I don't know all this stuff about her yet, I'm thinking, wow. You know what? I gave her all the information that she needed. You would think she'd come on the radio and discuss it with me, but no. She writes me back. And so MC says now, as she writes me back, the following. Dear Sam, thanks for your response. I appreciate it. I could not imagine Andrea Mitchell saying such a thing as her personal opinion. So I assumed without checking, and that's on me, that it had to be Joy Reed. who, sigh, could imagine making such an over-generalized accusatory statement. So I was wrong about that part. So she kind of gives me this backhanded slap apology. I couldn't imagine Andrea saying this. I thought it was Joy Reed. So she attacks Joy for the second time, really. Uh, And then she basically says, so I was wrong about that part. And then she says, however, I do not think the suite you presented was at all fair to the context. I am not sure, first, why you presented this as something Andrea Mitchell said Friday as a recent statement. The clip is from June 12th. We'll talk about it in seconds.
7: You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids.
0: All right ladies and gentlemen so we're talking about this discussion between me and this professor or this PhD lady. So I tell her the source for my statements there's a video on the page etc. She writes back and says, "You know what? I was wrong about that. I didn't really do my research. I didn't check. I just couldn't believe it and so I challenged you on it." She said, "I cannot imagine Andrea Mitchell making such a generalized statement, I thought it was Joy Reid. So she attacks Joy Reid, and then she said it had to be Joy Reid. I was wrong about that, she says. However, I do not think the suite you presented on this was at all fair. To the context, I am not sure, first, why you presented this as something Andrea Mitchell said Friday, implying a recent statement. The clip is from June 12th, 2020. It seems to me that your segment was meant to suggest this was a recent statement of her personal or editorial opinion. It was not recent in the first place, but it was part of the anguished fallout from George Floyd's um, Oh, George Floyd, more to the point, Mitchell did not state it as a personal or editorial opinion. It is clearly a rhetorical prompt meant to reflect and draw out the opinion of the author she was interviewing. Reporters do this all the time as a way to set the stage. For hearing the opinion of the interviewee, an opinion they may or may not personally share. I think you unfairly represented this statement as the accusatory bewilderment of Andrea Mitchell. When the clip obviously shows it is not, but a reporter's rhetorical question to an interviewee based on the interviewee writing or interviewee's writing. Your treatment takes the statement out of context or out of its original intended context and invites your audience to believe something untrue about a serious and fair journalist. You contribute to an undeserved distrust of a fair journalist by feeding your audiences willingness to believe that reporters are liberals who fault white people for all things racially charged. I think it would be honest to revisit that clip with your audience and acknowledge that Mitchell was not offering neither a personal or opinion or an editorial one as you indicated, okay, so basically, hey, Sam, you unfairly represented this lady, Andrea Mitchell. Your treatment takes it out of context and is unfair. You contribute to this untrust problem. I think it would be honest to revisit this. Um, you make it sound like it was an opinion or an editorial viewpoint. You're not being fair. So then she put CM at the bottom. Now, I write back to her. Of course I do, right? But before I write back to her, I want to see if we can play this video clip from Andrea Mitchell. Because it's on the website. It's available. We might as well play it. And I don't know what you think, but I want to know what context you would put it in, first of all. Secondly, I don't believe I took it out of context And the reason that I don't believe I took it out of context is because I never said it was Joy's opinion. Wait, Joy? No, she wasn't even involved. This Ph.D. CM lady literally took a dump on Joy unfairly when Joy wasn't even involved in this. It was Andrea Mitchell. I was right all along. But Andrea Mitchell, I never said it was her opinion or that it wasn't her opinion. I made no statements to that whatsoever. But here's the reality of what Andrea Mitchell said in her own words, not taken out of context. Here it is.
8: Sharon, George Floyd's death has shaken the world, becoming a symbol for social justice and police reform in a way that no other single race issue has. In an article entitled, "Shh, White People Listen, syndicated columnist Connie Schultz writes about the funeral of Tamir Rice in Cleveland back in 2014. The 12-year-old black boy was holding a toy gun when he was killed by a white police officer. She writes, I heard and saw plenty of outrage from white residents, and I had expected to see many of them at his funeral. The harder truth was that many white people didn't feel the loss of Tamir Rice in a personal way. They were sad that an innocent child had died, but from a distance. Tamir with somebody else's boys, some other community's tragedy six years later here we are still witnessing with alarming regularity the deaths of unarmed black Americans six years later here we are as white people still struggling with how to grieve joining me now is Connie Schultz a Pulitzer Prize winning writer and a professional in residence in the journalism school professor in residence I should say at the Kent State at Kent State University Connie it's great to see you and her new novel is Thank The you. Daughters of Erie Town Connie. I had a question when I read that. Are white people grieving? Are they capable in large numbers of grieving for the loss of a black child, a black woman in her bed in Louisville? Uh, Or is there something different this time because they witnessed eight minutes and 46 seconds of a murder?
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, so she asked that question. And my supposition is, how dare her ask that question? How dare her set the stage that white people don't care when black people die? Us, Those of us who are pro-life absolutely care when anybody dies. And so I saw that question, and I realized that she's setting this up for the author. And I don't disagree with that point. She is setting it up appropriately for the author. But to set the stage like that, to give examples and act like white people didn't care because they didn't show up to the funeral... I didn't show up to the funeral because it's far away and because I wasn't invited, all right? And I don't know them personally. Uh, so I don't want to rain on their parade or show up or make a media show out of it. I just, you know, I silently grieve and I, I do care, absolutely. Anyway, I digress except to say I criticized her even asking the question and setting the stage for that because what you're doing is creating a divide here. You're making it sound like and baiting the author, leading the witness, if you will, basically saying white people don't care about black death do they and so i responded to andrea mitchell literally with that in mind saying you know what how dare you ask that question how dare you insult the whole white race for this how dare you separate the races over this and kind of pour salt in the wounds how dare you do that that was the reference point i took about it all right so anyway she basically makes it sound like that I, um, you know, manipulated her opinion. We're going to get to my clip. So you can see how I responded to Andrea Mitchell. Um, how long is the clip, Cameron? It's temp, and it's in the, uh, uh, the test folder. Oh, we're still in the middle of this uh, uh, video. I'm sorry, I digress. Sorry, guys. All right, so um, she continues, though, as she lets the author respond. Oh, that was the end of it? Okay, good. All right, so we played the whole clip that's available on Daily Caller where I got the news, and that's the exchange. And so uh, I respond to CM, and here's what I say The pundits hi, the boob tube. Are... Okay, hold on. So I say, Hi, CM. First, you attack as if I was not correct. So I truly appreciate your backhanded apology. Because all the while she's attacking, she's appreciating my responses, right? The reason that I'm calling it a backhanded apology is because you continue to attack even when I'm proven more than right on the issue you first raised, which is, Sam, you're wrong. It wasn't Andrea. It was Joy. And how dare you get it right, be honest. I write back and said, no, I am right. She writes, okay, I admit that one. But you're still not kind to my buddy, Andrea Mitchell. Well, I'm dismayed that Andrea would even bait the author that way and ask such a question that way. Shame on Andrea Mitchell. And shame on CM for literally 18 months later attacking me for my treatment of the story. We'll play my audio in the next hour about this. But I then say, second, I didn't present this as recent at all. I told you that my original airing of the show was June 13, 2020, over 18 months ago. And I mentioned to you that it was a rebroadcast. Last night, I'd been out of town and sick, so it was a rebroadcast. That's why I didn't even understand the context and didn't think I made the statements in the first place. I knew I wasn't even live on air last night, so that's why I thought that I did not make the statements, but as soon as I realized that I did, I provided you complete sourcing of my material, pointed you to the source and the video, So, but after researching and confirming, I provided more detail for you than most broadcasters would have ever provided. I provided my audio clip, I provide the source news article and video so you can confirm yourself of what I spoke of. First it was you claiming that I was not right, please correct, now it's that you don't like how I presented the details. You say quote, I think it would be honest to revisit with your audience, oh I'm sorry, I think it would be honest to revisit that clip with your audience and acknowledge that Mitchell was not offering a personal opinion or an editorial one as you indicated she was. Again, now you pretend that you can determine her opinions and my intent. Wow, the false assertions you make are completely out of line and unwarranted. I don't know her opinions and never claimed that I did. However, since you claim to know her intent, her opinions, well, join me on air to discuss. I did invite you on air to discuss, and you have so far ignored my polite invitation. The question I'm asking you is why? How many broadcasters would give you time to present things as you think best? I wager not many. I think the most honest thing to do would be to bring you on airfreight to our radio show. We can explain how you contacted me and what happened in this email thread. Then we can bring out the items exactly as they should have been. The most honest thing to do is to bring out all sides of the issue. And to let you speak for yourself. Are you willing? Last point, I have a website. CallForCivility.com Please review it and let me know if you're willing to sign the Call for Civility pledge. We look forward to working with you. Sam Bushman and I get my phone number again. We'll continue next hour on this incredible exchange with a PhD from a well-known university. Challenging my facts on your radio. Dig it? We'll do it in seconds. Hour one in the can, two coming up. God save the republic. And God save us from these extreme liberals. Please, people. Broadcasting Live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable
5: Radio Talk Show. Show.
0: Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. I am Sam Bushman. This is a two-hour special broadcast. Let me be very, very clear. The date on the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, is Saturday, December the 4th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. We're talking about this incredible issue we discussed on Friday with Chris Carlson. Speak up. We are already in trouble. Warn the people. Amen to that reality check, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about this exchange that I'm having. Um, And this exchange that I'm having with this Ph.D. lady. She literally works for a huge university, well known as All Get Out. She's a PhD and she emailed me and challenged my sourcing of a story and claimed that I was wrong. Turns out that I was factually correct and she admits it. She then attacks me uh, saying, how dare you make it seem like it was recent when it was uh, literally months and months ago, not even a relevant story now. I write back and say, no, wait a minute. Um, I told you it was a rebroadcast. And just so you know, on the start of every show, I give the date of the broadcast. So so let's not play games and suggest that I thought it was recent. So I then say it wasn't recent. I told you that it wasn't recent. And um, you know what, you're wrong again. So on two counts now, two complaints she had, she's blatantly wrong and flat out admits it. She didn't do her research originally. She just didn't like what I had to say and she went off, whacked out crazy. Then I proved myself right and then she attacks me again. And says, oh, how dare you make this sound recent when it's not? And I explained to her, no. That's why I first said I didn't even make the comments. Because I didn't remember from 18 months ago. Well, then I dug it up and realized and gave the context and everything else in my comments. Then I say, last point, I have a website. Callforcivility.com. Will you sign my pledge? And will you come on the radio with me? We look forward to working with you. Sam Bushman. And then I start thinking about this and thinking, wow. She's sure detailed and articulate, but wrong in everything. Who is this person? And that's when I, at first, I thought she was just a listener uh, or somebody in the media or something like that or whatever. And so I wanted to be very polite, give her all the facts. But then I do some research, and I find out she is a bigwig, a Ph.D., an author on books of this, in communications, working for a big university. And so then I say at the end of my next email to her, I say this, P.S. I did a little bit of research, and then I give her name, Ph.D., her email address, where she works, her phone number, and it's a university address. So then I match that university address to the one she emailed me from. I'm thinking, why is a a Ph.D. professor listening to my show and trying to correct things, and she's wrong on every point? I don't know, but then I said, I did call your number, but just got voicemail. I did not leave a message. By the way, as we discuss how you are wrong on both points, we can discuss who you are and who you represent, shall we? I will clear the decks for you next Tuesday. That's December the 7th. The show is 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Does that work for you to come on the radio with me? Thanks, Sam. She then writes back and says this, I am sorry that I missed that it was a rebroadcast. You're right, I missed that. Then she justifies herself and tries to back out of it. So again, another backhanded slap apology. I missed that, you're right. But then she says this, radio is a lot like that. I think it's often difficult for listeners, such as myself, so now she's kind of trying to make it sound like she's a listener. But you got to wonder what for, does she really like my delivery that much? If so, she sure gave no indication in all of our email correspondence. Why is she listening? You got to start to have that in your mind, okay? But then she says it's very difficult for listeners such as myself to sort out. So now she's kind of making it sound like, you know, I was wrong, but again, it's hard. it's hard to blame me kind of an idea. I think that's bogus. Because you're attacking me and challenging me. It's fine that you miss it. It's fine that you think that. But when you challenge me, you better be right. Then she says, I completely withdraw my complaint about that. And I was wrong. To insert Joy Reid. Without evidence. So now she's basically admitting that she was wrong on Joy Reid. She didn't have any evidence. But this Ph.D working for a university, still made the claim and attacked me. I insulted her. But I'm not wrong. I think about the implications of your broadcast that this was Mitchell's personal opinion. It was a standard professional question of a kind that is regularly directed to interviewees. We may disagree about that, but it's like a question a reporter might ask to a climate scientist so we don't have much time, question mark. A leading question to prompt an interviewee, not a personal opinion. Well, number one, I never said it was a personal opinion. I think your rebroadcast implied something else I respectfully decline to debate this with you on your program it's too long ago and I think radio talk shows don't generally handle these kinds of nuances very well anyway especially when the host has a position to defend and is not a reporter I have appreciated being able to talk with you about this difference of opinion by email, nonetheless. And I hope you may recognize the unfairness of your implication about Andrea Mitchell, a reporter who exhibits fairness and integrity in her work. Best wishes, CM. Now, ladies and gentlemen, she is so wrong on this. First off, I never said that Andrea had this opinion. I never said that Andrea believed this. I never misled my audience to make them think that whatsoever. I merely said, how dare Andrea ask the question? And what a shame that you would even question if white people care about this. black. And it is setting the stage. It is leading the witness. Asking a climate change expert, are we out of time When you're a professional news reporter. Now remember, the CM lady even said Andrea is a journalist, a reporter. Not a shoddy commentator like Joy Reid. Or like you, Sam, or somebody else. She's a reporter. Okay, so you don't ask those leading questions. You might say something like, your book suggests that you think we're out of time. Is that what you think? That's fine. But when you literally say we're out of time, right? When you literally say white people don't really care when black people die, right? You're leading the witness. You're not being a fair and open, honest journalist with a fair question. We're not dealing with just a difference of opinion here. I never said that this lady made an opinion or that it was her opinion at all. So I don't believe that I'm unfairly treating this issue one bit. And in a minute, you're going to hear the soundbite to judge for yourself. But then I write her back. And when I write her back, it's kind of long, okay, because now I'm kind of getting a little bit irritated. And the reason that I'm getting a little bit irritated is because this isn't just some listener that thought I got something wrong, was trying to correct me. This is a person who's listening, who is in the communications realm for employment, who works for a university, which I partially fund with my tax dollars, who works in communications, who's got a PhD, who didn't check her sources at all when she attacked me. Once I prove right, she admits I'm right in a backhanded slap, then attacks me for pretending it was recent, and I proved to her that I never did such, and she completely retracts that. Then she still doubles down that I attacked Andrea Mitchell and expressed that this was her opinion, or this was her thoughts, or her belief. Ladies and gentlemen, what is she talking about? I don't know. That's the problem. Why is this lady spending so much time attacking me and going back and forth? If she was honest, all she'd say is, oh my gosh, I was wrong. Thank you so much. Have a great day. But no, she went from, you're wrong on the facts to, oh, you're right on the facts, but you made it sound recent. No, I didn't. Oh, you're right. I guess you didn't. But I don't like the way you misrepresented Andrea Mitchell as if you believed it was her opinion. I never said it was her opinion. So she's wrong now the third time. So I write her back. And I write her back and I say, hi, CM. Wow. So here we are. You contact me. You insult me. And claim that I am wrong and I need to get my facts together. You insult Joy Reid as well, clearly without cause. When you discover that I was completely spot on correct, you change the complaint. And then again, you are forced to admit that you were completely wrong again. The original air date was stated at the beginning of the broadcast, as it is every hour. You have been incorrect on every point thus far. Can you tell I'm kind of starting to get frustrated with her dishonesty? You attack me suggesting that I have not been honest in my delivery. And then I go into her claim. We'll do it in seconds. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live nationally syndicated talk show.
6: How do you know your child loves you?
4: When he calls
6: and he says, uh, Dad, why don't we uh, go fishing?
4: It's just very simple, but it, it really counts. They
8: make a song up and they come into our bedroom and say, We made a song and will you listen?
1: Our next-year-oldest daughter came to me with tears in her eyes and she said, Daddy, I just thank you for coming home every night when we were growing My up.
8: Son does the
9: nicest things when he's playing outside he'll come in and just give me a hug and run right back outside my daughter goes to the same high school that I'm the registrar at and I'll go into my office after the bell has rung and there's a note on my desk and it'll usually say mom I love you I'm thinking about and you. I
10: think of my boy that uh, we finally got him through graduation and he came up to me and said I made it thanks family Isn't it about
5: time? That's all I said. And that meant everything to me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
0: All right, so I'm emailing this lady back, CM, and I say, you attack me suggesting that I have not been honest in my delivery. You claim... Quote, greater, I'm not wrong, when I think about the implication of your broadcast, that this was Mitchell's personal opinion, and then I write, and so I quoted her, right? And then I say, I never stated that this was her opinion, not once. Sadly, your agenda clouds your judgment, so much so that you're now making up things to defend your dishonest intentions and your own personal opinion. The truth is you have been completely dishonest in your interactions with me. You continue to change your complaints and your points over and over as I enlighten you as to the facts in our email exchanges. I spent tons of time thinking you were truly trying to open a friendly, productive, and open dialogue only to discover you have a hidden agenda. Why do I say hidden agenda? Because so far, everything you have complained about and everything you have alleged simply doesn't fit the facts or the truth. I openly extend an invitation to you for you to honestly and publicly explain yourself and then you complain and state that it's not even timely or relevant. If that is the case and if you didn't do your research as you claimed, then why are you listening and why are you even contacting me? You stated greater than. So I assumed without checking And that's on me what is your real agenda why did you really contact me what is your goal maybe it's time for some honesty on your end p.s did you review my website are you willing to sign our civility pledge thanks sam now she hasn't written me back yet okay but i don't know where this is going Because I don't know what her intentions are. I at first thought we were talking about a person that was listening that genuinely felt like I had got something wrong. So I took the time to hunt down my rebroadcast, hunt down my show notes, get the audio, send her the show, the segment that the audio was in. I took the time to write her back and explain myself. I took the time to point her to my... Call for Civility website, which explains my views on the divisions we have in America. I invite her on the radio to honestly, if she, if she says I should revisit this with my audience, is it better for me to revisit it with my audience? Or is it better for me to have her on and let her make her claims herself? I don't want to put words in her mouth. Let her speak for herself. And if she has a complaint, I'm going to give her plenty of time to air it. But then she declines the interview. She continues to attack me. She continues to insist that she's right uh, that I somehow misrepresented Andrea Mitchell's point. Now, I am revisiting this with my audience because I think she's right. We need to lay out the truth. And so then I say, why don't you come on the air? We'll talk about the truth. We'll talk about how you contacted me. We'll lay out our email thread. We'll play Andrea's comments. We'll play my comments. You, ma'am... CM can make your comments, but then we'll spend time, now that I learned who you really are, you're really nothing but a hack, a PhD hack, working in a university, trolling conservative talk show hosts, and your goal is to somehow intimidate them into silence. Well, I'm telling you right now, ma'am, not on my watch. That ain't going to happen. You're not going to get that done to me. Not on your life. Now, that's not a threat when I say not on your life. I'm just saying how serious I am. As you know, I spend all my time telling you how precious life is for everyone black, white, Asian, everyone. And how I don't want even my enemies to die prematurely. I want them to live. Now, I hope they come to their senses, but I want them to live. I want them to be vibrant and happy and safe. Why? Because I am truly pro-life. That's not a joke for me. That's not a light topic for me. That's a God-given, sacred topic to me. And so I don't agree with Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or Joe Biden, but I don't wish any harm on any of them. I just pray they have a constitutional, I don't know, let's kind of compare it to Saul becoming Paul, awakening, if you will. Go to your Bible, folks, and get it done if you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? But all I'm saying is I don't wish any harm on anyone, and I don't wish any harm on this lady, but I don't believe her intentions are honest because she didn't really want to find out the truth about Andrea Mitchell and Joy Reed. She wanted to attack me. When I set her straight, she then goes to another complaint. When I set her straight, she goes to another complaint, and every time I prove myself right, she goes, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, but I still don't think you've been fair to Andrea. All right, well, let's play my comments regarding Andrea, shall we? We're going to have to play part of it, then take a pause and finish it up. Here's what I said on the June 13th, second hour, first half of the second hour, 16 minutes and 30 seconds or whatever it is into the broadcast. Here is the interview. I mean, I'm sorry, here's the comments. Go ahead, Cameron. The pundits on the boob tube are no less egregious, folks. Listen to this carefully. MSNBC anchor, you know that she's whacked already, right? MSNBC anchor. Her name is Andrea Mitchell, okay? And she literally asks a question during her show on Friday that is shocking to me. Here's the question. Quote, She wants to know if white people are capable in large numbers of grieving for the loss of a black child. You heard me. This is insane. MSNBC anchor Andrea Mitchell literally asks during her show on Friday if white people are capable in large numbers of grieving for a black child. And my response to her is Have you lost your mind? Have you literally lost your mind? Why do I say that so bold and blatant? Because of this. I have taught as a nationally syndicated, constitutionally conservative talk show host for over 25 years I've been on the radio. And most of the time I've had a three-hour show. Sometimes I've had a two-hour show. Sometimes it's been five days a week. Sometimes it's been six. But I've been on the radio literally for 25-plus years. And I have taught that entire time that we are all God's children and we should behave like it. I have taught that I believe race divisions are wrong. And that we need to realize that all men are created equal endowed by their creator with unalienable rights. Okay, that doesn't mean that me and the black guy are equal. Listen, he might be a better basketball player than I am. Okay? He might be a surgeon like Ben Carson, and I'm not. Okay, we're not all equal in our attributes and our capacities and our intelligence. Okay, I don't know if he's smarter than me or I'm smarter than him. I don't know. I don't know if he's taller than me or I'm taller than him. I don't know. I don't know if he's faster. I don't know if I'm wiser. Okay, we all have different attributes and spiritual gifts given to us by Almighty God. So we are different, no doubt. And we're not equal. He probably can see and I can't. I'm a totally blind person. So you know what? We're certainly not equal if he can see. But we should have equality before God and government with our rights and our opportunities for success. Okay, when the founding father says we all you know, are equal, they don't mean we're equal that we're identical. They mean we're equal in terms of equality before God and government, that God is no respecter of persons, and the government tries to mirror that no respecter of persons and have special privileges for none and equal opportunity for everyone. Okay, I support that view. So this lady literally says, can white people in mass numbers grieve for the demise or the loss of a black child? And of course we are and we can look i'm not happy about george floyd's death at all now i understand he was a criminal i understand he was probably on drugs and alcohol i understand he had the coronavirus i understand that he may not have even died from that police officer on his chest but i also understand that the police ladies and gentlemen quick pause we're playing a clip of an interview or i'm sorry of a Commentary, or whatever you want to say, that I gave, um, what is it, June 13th, 2020, as I discuss with a Ph.D. university doctor, if you will, about accuracy in the media, huh? Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
7: MSA Radio News with Wendy King.
9: Prosecutors in Michigan have filed involuntary manslaughter charges against the parents of the accused gunman who killed four people at Oxford High School this week. Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald says James Crumbly bought the weapon used in the rampage and gave it to his son.
8: There was absolute reason to believe this
9: individual was dangerous and disturbed. Hoping to calm tensions between Russia and Ukraine, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said he hopes Russia gets the message to increase its diplomacy.
7: The most important thing is for Russia to pull back the forces that it's massed near the Ukraine border, uh, to de-escalate the crisis, because resolving anything diplomatically when a gun is being held to someone's head uh, is is very, very difficult. So I think that's that's the first step.
9: This is USA Radio News.
10: Hi, I'm Wayne Allyn Root. I want to tell you about my friends at Tangible Investments. Tangible is among the biggest precious metals and rare coin dealers in America. 35 years in business, billions in sales. They sold one rare coin collection for $15 million, the largest private sale in history at the time. They've been awarded the PNG designation. That means they're the best of the best in the world. But here's the big advantage for you. Tangible might just have the lowest overhead of any precious metals dealers. That means they can afford to give you incredible deals. Tangible will sell you gold at 1% over the New York spot price. Just 1% over the New York spot price? Who does that? No one ever. Just say Root. That's it. You get your gold at a price no one in America can match. This offer is limited to five ounces per family. Get started by contacting Tangible Investments at 800-384-41. That's toll-free, 800-384-41. Be sure to say Root, 800-384-41, or online at TII1.com.
9: Authorities said that a graduate college student and a tourist were stabbed in New York City at two different locations, but likely by the same attacker in what appears to be random attacks. Police say the first attack happened late Thursday when a Columbia University student was attacked in Manhattan's Morningside Heights. The 30-year-old man, David Jiri, died of his injuries. The second attack occurred a short time later in a different part of Morningside Heights and wounded a 27-year-old tourist from Italy. He was hospitalized with knife wounds. Investigators said a third person was also threatened by the assailant, who's believed to be responsible for both of the attacks. A 25-year-old suspect was later arrested near Central Park with a large kitchen knife. Police said he's reported to be a gang member with a long criminal history, which includes assault. They said he was released from prison on parole in 2017. You're listening to USA Radio News.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, may the power of love save us all. I'll tell you what. Ladies and gentlemen, speak up. We are already in trouble. Warn the people. So we're talking about this email exchange that i'm having with this quote phd uh communications expert from a large university who all remain nameless cm is the initials that she uses i'll go there and so i'm communicating with her and she basically is wrong on every point i invite her on the radio she declines um she says that you know what the discussion is not even relevant since it was 18 months ago well then why are you emailing me and so insistent that you're right if it's not relevant even though you're wrong on every single point, you claim that I was wrong on the person. I was right. You claim that I pretended it was re- modern, recent, when it wasn't. I did no such thing. You then complain that I'm, well, making the audience believe that this was her opinion, Andrea Mitchell's opinion. No, I'm not. I never said that at all. Not once. We're playing the interview now, uh, and I'm talking about George Floyd. So you should know that it's a rebroadcast because I give the date on the start of the show. And now I'm talking about George Floyd. It's a rebroadcast. And I'm basically shocked at the question Andrea Mitchell asks that can white people, um, show remorse or show sadness or experience when uh, black people die. Of course we can. And I'm incensed to the question. I never said it was her opinion. I just think how dare she ask an author that kind of a baiting leading question is my point. And she's in my opinion, jettisoning journalism with such a leading question is what i'm saying you know what journalists do the who what when where why facts on a topic of story journalists don't go into supposition and opinion and commentary and leading the witness when you do that you're jettisoning journalism when you do that you're not being fair because you're leading the witness you're going you know hey white people don't really care right and then now the guest the author has to basically either one agree with you or contradict you so i know authors do it all, i'm sorry i know reporters do it all the time but i think it's wrong when they do it okay the fact is is this a piece to promote an author for money is this an agenda to push that white people don't care and drive a division between white and blacks in america or is this an honest question if it's an honest question andrea mitchell then I'm going to give you an honest answer. That's what I've been doing, and my commentary from June 13th, 2020 continues. So this lady literally says, can white people in mass numbers grieve for the demise or the loss of a black child? And of course we are, and we can. Look, I'm not happy about George Floyd's death at all. Now, I understand he was a criminal. I understand he was probably on drugs and alcohol. I understand he had the coronavirus. I understand that he may not have even died from that police officer on his chest. But I also understand that the police officer on his chest crossed a line that is not acceptable to me at all, period, end of paragraph. But I'm not going to destroy Christopher Columbus over it. I'm not going to destroy private property and seize a six-block section of a major city over it. I'm going to say, what can we do to improve our situation and not let that ever happen again? Yes, I'm going to. Can we, can we grieve over a black, the loss of a black child? Without a doubt. So not only this 25 years have I been teaching that racism is wrong, and I've been teaching that, you know what, we're all God's children and we should behave like it, but I've also been advocating for the following principle. Listen carefully to the following principle. When we murder any baby, and we pretend it's just a hunk of tissue, and we believe in the pro-choice, pro-death agenda, we are deceiving ourselves. And I believe that black babies grieve when they are murdered every single day. And I believe that Margaret Sanger, one of the founders of Planned Parenthood, was literally a hardcore racist. Go study the history. And she literally intended Planned Parenthood and the murderous abortion agenda to really take out black society. And I think it's evil and hate-filled and wrong. But nevertheless, more black babies die from murdering, murderous abortions, if you will, than white babies. Okay? And you look at that scenario and you go, I grieve for every one of those poor babies that die. So I would ask this talk show host, all of the pro-life folks that are white do grieve each abortion. So MSNBC anchor, Andrea Mitchell, of course the answer to your question is yes. Of course we, as white people in mass numbers, can grieve over the loss or death or demise of of a black child. Of course we can. Every life matters. But see, when I say every life matters, they say how wrong and evil and racist and hate-filled I am. So I'm going to say this. Black lives matter. Yes, of course they do. White lives matter. Of course they do. Asian lives matter. Hispanic or Latino lives matter. Everyone's life matters. And I understand that you say, well, Sam, the black lives matter. Black lives are in special jeopardy. Now, I agree. But what I'm not going to let you do is under the black lives matter moniker get special privileges for the blacks see when that happens we've gone too far and i'm not going to let you abolish police because we want the police to stop abusing blacks i want the police to stop abusing blacks and everybody but i'm not going to let the police go away to where we have anarchy in america as a result all on that quote black lives matter altar i don't want blacks to have special privilege i don't want everybody to have special privilege i want everybody to have equal opportunity and where we can help one another i want that to happen too so Andrea Mitchell, I, how dare you even ask the question, to be honest with you. But I'll answer. Not only do we care all about all the baby black lives matter, we care about George Floyd's life. His life matters too. And I'm so sorry he's passed away. I'd like to know the truth of really how. And I'd also like to find out the, the situation the police were really in. and If there's true culpability or true liability there, true personal responsibility uh, where the cops didn't behave in an appropriate manner based on their training and based on the rule of law, That I want accountability for those cops too. You bet I do. Of course I do. But let's also talk about how many blacks die in Chicago every day. Or any other big city across the country. There is murderous rates through the, chart, through the roof. Off the charts. And it's blacks killing other blacks. If you don't believe me, David A. Clark Jr., well-known former sheriff of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, elected four times as sheriff. He's the one saying this. There's more blacks killing blacks. What about their lives? I grieve for those black people who die. Listen to me carefully. Let me say this very clear and very carefully. Anyone who dies when they shouldn't have, I grieve for. Black lives, of course, as well. You want to know why? Because the truth is, I believe in God's children. Do you? There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So this lady insists that I was unfair to Andrea Mitchell, and that I asserted that it was Andrea Mitchell's opinion. And so, shame on. I didn't say it was her opinion. I didn't say anything of the sort. I didn't insin- insinuate that. I just merely said, how dare her, as a journalist, jettison the true journalism mantra, which is we're reporters. We're going to do the who, what, when, where, why of a story. But she goes into this territory where she leads the witness. You know... Here's a story in 2014, and, you know, the parents that are white didn't really grieve for the black death. They didn't go to the funeral. They didn't do any of these things. You know, really, it's true that black people die and whites don't care. Right, author? Is that right? Is that how you see it, author? And I'm saying that's jettisoning honest, moral, high-road journalism. Now, if you said, does a nation care enough about those who die? Do people of different race care when another race dies? Or, you know, if it's not of your race, do you care as much as when it is your race? I think there's fair ways to ask the questions. But it's not do white people not really care when black people die. Okay? What about in Chicago when blacks are killing blacks by the hundreds? Do we white people care? Of course we do. That's why I'm bringing it up. Did Andrea bring it up? No. But what about babies that are murdered? I care and speak out against all abortions, all pro-death. Okay? But I never insinuated that it was Andrea Mitchell's opinion. I never said that. I never insinuated that. If that's what this CM lady took away from it, that's her opinion, to which she's entitled. But don't argue with me for two hours that I'm wrong based on her opinion. As she debates the facts with me and gets proven wrong over and over and over and over and then refused to go on the radio and discuss it with me. If you want to discuss opinion and have a commentary, CM, it's your opinion that I misrepresented it. I don't think I did. I merely showed outrage and dismay at the way the question was framed, pitting whites against blacks, demonstrating that white people are not caring or don't care. I absolutely care. And that's why I brought it up. To me, I think that she asked the question kind of unfairly and jettisoned journalism. But I think the question's a legitimate one nevertheless. That's why I took literally eight-plus minutes on my radio show to give an honest answer to her probing question. This is Sam Bushman.
4: I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born. For looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life.
0: All right, back to the live, ladies and gentlemen. So I never insinuated once that this was Andrea Mitchell's opinion. I challenged her journalistic integrity for sure. You bet I did. And I'm not backing away from that even after the unwarranted, unfair, dishonest, completely inaccurate attacks from this university professor. Okay? She's wrong, 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 and wrong. And I'm saying that I think that uh, Andrea Mitchell jettisoned journalism. When she baited the question to this author, how dare you ask? And how dare you set the stage for white people don't care when black people die? Is that just fomenting a divide in America? I think the answer is clearly yes. And you say, Sam, wait a minute, what about your call for civility pledge? I believe we should be kind. I do believe we should give people the benefit of the doubt. I do believe we should agree to disagree agreeably. But when you literally have a, professor who works for a university, funded by our tax dollars, listening to my rebroadcast of a rebroadcast at night, attacking me on the journalistic facts or the accuracy and media facts of my discussion points, and I give her the facts and I'm proven right, and then she attacks the timing as if I have an agenda with the timing, and I'm proven right again. But she continues to insist that I asserted or made you, the audience, believe that this was Andrea Mitchell's opinion. When you listened to this, ladies and gentlemen, you decide. You heard last hour Andrea Mitchell's comments, and you heard my comments. Did I lead you to believe that this was Andrea's opinion or view or personal viewpoint? I don't think so. I didn't say that one bit. So I think she's wrong on everything she asserts. Furthermore, then, I point her to my Clarion Call for Civility or Call for Civility website and ask her if she's willing to at least review this and look at the pledge. She hasn't responded one iota to any of that. Either she's reviewed it and she doesn't care to comment on it, which is a sad commentary in and of itself, or she didn't even take the time to review it, which is even a greater shame. But I believe in being civil. But I also don't believe in backing down, because this is why we're really in trouble in America, ladies and gentlemen, in my humble opinion, to which I am entitled. Okay, we need to speak up, ladies and gentlemen. We're already in serious trouble in America, warn the people. All right? This is serious. And I submit to you that we need to stand up in the media. Okay, most broadcasters would not have even responded, or they would have just deleted the email or ignored it. Most broadcasters might have wrote her back and said, I'm sorry you see this differently than I do or whatever. Very few journalists would have given her all the source material. My audio clip, Andrea's audio clip, the article, the sources, the details. Okay, now she's doubling down saying, well, Sam, I don't want to come on the air with you. It's not very productive because you have a position to defend. You got to really then ask this question. What do you mean I have a position to defend? Why would I have a position to defend? Well, because it's a position that she attacked. That's why. I'm not defending my position or my opinion on this. I have an opinion, which is, I think, shame on Andrea Mitchell for her journalistic betrayal with leading the witness on the question. How dare her foment the divide in America between blacks and whites? And how dare her insinuate by the nature of her question that whites don't care about blacks shame on her for that that's an opinion that i have that i'm entitled to now it's cm's opinion that andrea mitchell is an above reproach journalist and that she got it right she did nothing out of the ordinary cm and i disagree on this that's fine She's entitled to her opinion as well. But here's where I think CM is across the line. She starts out attacking me. She gets her facts completely wrong. And then in the end of the day, she still attacks me. She won't let my opinion prevail. And I don't mean prevail over her opinion. I mean prevail as in exist on its own. Okay? I will let her opinion prevail, and I will let my opinion prevail. We can agree to disagree agree- agreeably. I can be kind to her and say, you know what, CM? Uh, we have a difference of opinion on this. You think that Andrea Mitchell's above reproach as a journalist and should never be questioned. I, to the contrary, believe that Andrea Mitchell betrayed journalism and advocated for something in America, a great divide between the races, which I think is not helpful in the national debate or the national discourse over George Floyd over race over pro-life over lives matter over the topics are endless right and so I will let your opinion prevail CM in that you have every right to your opinion and you can think as you would like but I would encourage you to allow me to afford me the same privilege. And even though you may disagree with my viewpoints, do you agree that I have the right to say it? Will UCM defend my right to say and think and believe what I want? Because that's what I will do for you. Even though I think you're completely all wet on this, even though I've proven you wrong on every fact that you've brought up, I will respect your opinion. You think that Andrea Mitchell's a journalist with incredible integrity and how dare me challenge her and that I'm wrong for doing so, and that I misrepresented it to my audience. I don't mean to put words in your mouth. That's a summary of what I understand. I have offered for you to come on the radio at my expense to speak for yourself, which you have politely declined because you say the topic is not relevant. Then why the heck did you bring it up then? Okay, what this lady expected me to do was kowtow and back down, or correct and promote Andrea Mitchell. I will not do, but I will have CM on the radio. I will put Andrea Mitchell on the radio and let her defend her position. I will put Joy Reid on the radio and let her defend herself against CM as well, because poor Joy Reid was attacked as a drive-by innocent bystander. Now CM, I say to you, I have an opinion, but I want to know what your real agenda is. Why? Did you really contact me? Was it really to get the facts right on Andrea Mitchell or Joy Reid? No, because you were proven wrong. Was it that you wanted to really straighten it out, that I made it seem like this was a modern discussion when it wasn't? No, because you were proven wrong. What is your goal? Maybe it's some time for some honesty on your end. Why did you listen in the first place? Who put you up to it? Is it just that you like my talk show? Is it that you think I'm an incredible host with an articulate vocabulary? Is it because you believe that I am carrying the founding father's vision forward in a meaningful way? Is it because you believe that I teach the truth on the radio? Why are you listening? How did you discover my show? What are you listening for? What is your agenda? What is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And then what prompted you to write me an email? And then what prompted you to be wrong on the facts but go to another topic and be wrong again? And what motivates you? What drives you to continue to insist that I'm wrong and that you're right? See, why can't we both have our own opinions and say, you know what? In our own minds, we're both right. In our own minds, we disagree, but we can do so agreeably. I can defend your opinion, CM, that you believe she's a journalist above reproach and you believe she should be treated that way. And you're not happy when people don't do that, don't honor her as you believe they should. I respect that. You have every right to think that. And you have every right to email me and say, hey, Sam, I don't think you were fair on this. I get that. What you don't have a right to do, though, is browbeat me on facts and get proven wrong over and over and over. Then at the end of the day, continue to insist that I haven't fairly dealt with this topic when I give you a chance to come to the table and articulate uh, your side and express your views and you turn me down saying it's not relevant? At the end of the day, I've spent a couple of hours on this for you in a good faith effort. And then I invite you on the radio for free. I point you to my website trying to Say, hey, we can talk about this. We can openly discuss this. We can agree to disagree agreeably. I can defend your opinion as your right. And even though I don't agree with what you say, I'll agree with your right to say it. I agree that you have the right to say that and think that about Andrea Mitchell, that you like her, that you think she's an incredible journalist. You have every right to believe that. And I will defend your right to believe that till the death. Because you know what? This is the greatest country on the face of the earth. And there are very few places on the planet where you can express your views and I can express my views. And they can be completely polar opposite, but that we can agree that, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. That we can exist together even though we're polar opposite in our thoughts and our beliefs, but we agree that the First Amendment allows us To freely express ourselves without repercussion, without retribution, without penalty, without concern for our lives or our safety. Isn't that a huge, incredible blessing? And I want to know, what is your agenda? Why did you really contact me? What is your goal? Because you know what? I don't believe that your real agenda was to correct me on Andrea Mitchell. I don't believe your real goal and your agenda uh, is to get the facts correct. I believe your real goal was to browbeat me into uh, somehow coming on the air and changing the narrative to your liking. That I will not do. I will broaden the narrative to allow your views to be heard at my expense. Because I don't believe in what you say, but I believe in your right to say it. I believe in the First Amendment so strongly to where I will pay. So that you can have your views heard. Okay. I don't appreciate the insults. I don't appreciate the backhanded apologies. But you know what? I was willing to clear the decks for her. I was willing to discuss this. When we say debate, I'm not sure what the debate is. We agree we have different opinions. I wouldn't want to spend my whole time debating our opinions and arguing who's right and wrong, which I'm sure she believes it would be. I would rather focus on, you know what, CM, Andrea Mitchell, Joy Reid, all of you. What might we agree on in America? Can we celebrate together that we can have different opinions and that's okay? Can we back the idea that I might not agree with what you say or believe, but I'll support your right to do so? Wow. Wouldn't it be a different world if we could all do that? I believe she was just attacking me, and I believe most journalists or most commentators or talk show hosts back down. I want to highlight this, and I want to say in America, we're really in trouble, ladies and gentlemen if we can't discuss these issues openly? Why do they refuse to discuss this with me? I wonder. Thanks for listening. I am Sam Bushman. God bless all of you. CallForCivility.com. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.